Scott Bass, waterwaystravel.com. I know we've threatened for years to host a podcast listener surf trip. Yeah. Well, Brian, our buddy at Waterways, has reached out and presented a plan. Sweet. Talk to me, bros. You let's do this. So the idea is they have a handful of resorts that they work with who are kind of smaller. You know, they have eight to 10 rooms or something like that. And uh-huh. So he was thinking we just do a full resort takeover. Right. So here are the options that I will present to you. Samoa, El Salvador, yeah. Chicama. Wow. Um, I kind of like Chicama. Me too. I think we're on the exact same page. I've never been there. I've been to El Salvador twice. I'd like to check out Chicama. Me too. It's been honestly in my top kind of five hit list uh, for the longest time. So yeah, I think that's it. What about dates? Yeah. I mean, I, 2024, but I think we'll, well figure, we'll figure out the exact out later. details later. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, the, the, the great thing about right now is that um, some people have Indonesia on their mind this type of this time of year, but many of us just need a quicker trip. Let's be honest, going to Indonesia is a 20-hour flight. And it's a lot of jet lag on the back end. So you got to commit, right? The good thing about going locally, which by the way, waterways can do Indo and or locally. And I'm speaking, of course, of people here on um, in the North Pacific. You know, you can use waterways to fly down to mainland Mexico, to go to El Salvador, to go to, as you mentioned, Chicama. There's so many quicker, kind of more accessible and, and um, less time consuming. Yeah, I'm just going to pull up waterwaystravel.com real quick to read a little excerpt about Chicama. It says, Chicama Surf Resort is the brainchild of some Peruvian surfers who have been traveling the globe since 1970. After seeing the world from Alaska to Zanzibar, these Peruvians understood what their country had to offer and chose Chicama as the perfect spot to build a luxury surf resort accommodation that brought together all the best they had seen in their travels. There are 19 beautifully appointed rooms with balconies and unparalleled views of the winding lefts that start at the top of the point and go forever. All of the facilities, from the restaurant to the bar to the gym to the saunas to the swimming pool, are thoroughly modern and first-rate. The attentive staff is there to accommodate your every need and to get you into the surf and back again in safety and comfort. The helping hands extend all the way to the lineup as Chicama Surf Resort offers boat services, which pick up surfers at the tail end of those long rides (laughs) and motors them back to the top of the lineup, saving time, energy, and leg and arm muscles. Here's my only concern is... I don't mind wearing a full suit, but I don't want to wear booties. It looks like we have to wear booties down there. Wait a second. Booties are what is going to dissuade you from the perfect surf trip? Um, The water temp is 57 to 68 from April to October, which would be the season. I'm not afraid of that. Don't let that dissuade you. (laughs) I won't. We're talking the world's, one of the world's longest lefts. Come on now. Yeah, but if you can't surf because your feet are frozen, it's the worst. That keeps you out of the water. It keeps me going. <laughs> <laughs> what about maybe we do we open it up to the listeners? What do they want to do? El Salvador would be my second pick. That's literally going to dissuade you. I mean, it's not the I, I just I, with numb feet, I'm screwed and booties don't work for me. I have such mangled feet that booties. <sighs> okay. All right, listeners, trip with David to Chicama. <laughs> no, no, I'll go if the water is sixty degrees or warmer. But if it's you, you know. do a trip. You take a group down to El Salvador. <laughs> I'll take a group down to Peru. We'll meet up afterwards. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil everyone's fun. I don't want to be that guy. Well, waterwaystravel.com. We'll figure it out. We will report back in the next couple of weeks. But um, Scott and I are traveling on Saturday, actually, together out to North Carolina. Um, my question for you is, are you bringing boards to real water sports? No. Are you now? Here's the real question. Are you bringing fins? Yeah. No. I, <laughs> Should I? I was thinking about just traveling with NVS fins, like bringing a, the thruster set of C drives, the, uh, twin set of C drives, and then whatever boards we borrow, I'm, I'm good to go. I know I got my fins locked in. Yeah. That's a great idea. I'm going to bring my NVS fins too. I'll bring two sets. I mean, isn't that a smart travel tip at this point? Like they're lightweight, totally. they fit in anywhere, they, and it's like you know you can rely on that. 
No doubt. That's that's. I love that idea. Okay. I'm a big fan. Sick. Fins and a leash. Exactly. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, we're going to we're going to real water sports on uh, early next week. We're going on Saturday. I think Scott's leaving midweek. I'm leaving on the following Saturday. But we're doing the foiling lessons. We've been talking about this, and I've been getting endless emails and DMs from people saying that they actually have been considering foiling for a long time and they're super interested to hear our feedback because it might be what finally gets them off the fence. So, yeah. uh, well, you know, what I've been told is that, and I'm sure you have too, and probably many others that are interested in, in foiling is that you need to commit to a, a solid, you know, week of just charging. Like, you know what I mean? You can't just kind of onesie twosie it one day on, don't do it for four days and then try again a week later. You kind of need to like do a concentrated time commitment to get the basics, yeah. which is what David and I are doing. We're going to go to this camp and it's kind of the same with kite surfing. I've heard like you need, you'll learn how to do it if you just spend a week solid doing it. And so we're, we'll report back. That's what we're going to do. I think that's good advice because if you don't figure it out on like if you weren't doing an all intensive kind of camp and you just go one time and don't succeed at it, you're not really that inspired to go back and try it again. You know, especially if the waves yeah. get good the next day and then you just want to surf instead, there's a lot of other distractions. So kind of focusing on it is really, I think the way to do it. So real water sports provides those services for us or for anybody. Actually, they have a camp you could stay at like a hotel kind of situation which is what we're doing as well. And then we're hosting a little meetup for podcast listeners. If you want to swing by on Wednesday, the 19th at Waterman's Bar and Grill from 6 to 8 p.m. Come by, have a drink, have an appetizer, have dinner, whatever you like. And we'll be there with our significant others and uh, all of our listeners and fans. Yes. Can't wait. Real water sports. It's going to be fun. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yeah, freaking God. David, oh my. It is uh, the middle of July. What is it? It's the 11th. It's Tuesday, the 11th of July, 2023. Scott Bass, David Lee Scales here with you talking all things surf on the Spit Podcast. We've got a big show and we don't have much time. We've got a, a, really a sad story. Um, there's some swell looking good for Jay Bay and um, twin fins in the Mentawise. David, I'm excited about this. Um, what you said, we, it's a sad day. Well, Hawaiian surfer Makala Jones oh, yeah, yeah. has passed away, right? That's sort of the lead story, unfortunately. Um, super, super sad because, um, obviously well loved, well known. Um, Makala Jones died after severing his femoral artery in his groin and suffering a massive blood loss. I'm reading now from uh, Stab Magazine. The 44-year-old Macaulay leaves behind a young family and siblings, Malia Jones, Keone Jones, and Daniel Jones. Also, all of those guys and girls, incredible surfers. Despite being born and raised on Rocky Point, Rocky Point in Hawaii, Macaulay also had an innate connection to Indonesia. And in the early 2000s, he made the move to Bali where he would embark on a quest to discover unexplored surf spots. David, you and I have seen some pictures of this guy from um on you know the covers of surf magazines and of course he was um sort of like one of the pioneers with the gopro camera and uh, he uncovered many waves and kept them secret for the most part and um wow what a sad week for the surf world uh, especially all of us that knew mccalla it's just um he was one of the good guys i know it's cliche but um Man, it, super sad. There's a few times where, like, the, I was scrolling Instagram and I saw that post. I, Stab was the first to report it, like, literally within, I think, hours of it happening. And your heart stops. I see it, I read it, and I just thought, this can't be right. Like, this, there's no way this is right. Because he just what seemed 
not that he seemed like, you know, invincible or anything like that, but he's just so vibrant and ever present and young that you don't anticipate it. And I guess the other detail is that it was a surfing accident. And you do think he's a little bit invincible in surfing, you know? I was expecting to read down and see that it was a car accident in Bali or something like, you know, scooter accident, more likely. Um, but to know that surfing is dangerous and it can happen to any, something like this could happen to anybody because he's far more skilled and far more adept at mitigating risk than I will ever be. And then 99.9% of surfers on the planet and the type of waves that he was surfing on that day were just like the types of waves he'd been, he's been surfing for the last 20 or 30 years of his life. And so it just happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of these random circumstance, you know, happenstance. Like it can be, look, let's be honest. It can be a two foot day in Southern California and you can cut your femoral artery. Now you'll probably have a little bit better access to emergency first responders who will be able to handle it. Um, and I'm, I don't know the circumstances and I don't mean to, uh, suggest that I do, but, um, I guess my point is, um, time is time yeah, is key though in a situation like that like having access to medical aid when you have severe bleeding is important so i actually well here's what's in, yeah go ahead here's what's interesting right about a femoral uh, artery cut a slash where you're gushing I've, I, as you and i both know many times shark uh shark attack victims die because they bleed out not because the shark ate them the shark bit them and usually it's in the femoral artery gets and you and what generally happens is when you're when you're cut at the mid thigh area you can use a tourniquet above the thigh like a leash and tie off the bleeding but when your femoral artery is is um is spliced open in the groin area which is where it was with Mikala, it's hard to tie a tourniquet up in your groin area to keep the blood from gushing out. Just think about it. You know, like there's just nowhere to tie it off. You almost have to go in there with your hand and like somehow cinch it off, mm. you know, or burn it or, you know, like just something random that's just next level crazy. So I think that may be, and again, I don't mean to um, suggest I know what happened, but when I see that it was a groin uh, injury, like this, the groin areas where the femoral artery was severed, I think to myself as a first responder, there's no way to put a tourniquet on that. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know where I read it, but what I kind of gathered from the situation was they were in a remote location. And so they had to get them on the boat. You know, they had to get them to a hospital, but that inquire, required getting them on the boat, getting the boat to the dock, then getting transportation from the dock to the hospital. And there was just way too much time in between. But I did Google to see what you should do in a similar situation. And you're right. A tourniquet is key, but you already explained the limitations of it being in your groin. The other situation or the other thing you do is pack the wound. So you want to use sanitized, you know, material if you have it. If you don't, better to pack it than not. So a towel, something like that, and then apply as much pressure as possible. The situation is that the femoral artery is so deep, it's near the bone. So it requires yeah. a tremendous amount of pressure to push through the muscle and everything else that's in between where your hand would be and the artery. So pack it tight, provide as much pressure as possible. And then of course, tourniquet as best you can. Yeah. Just super, super sad. I mean, Look, surfing is dangerous, and um, we all face these dangers. We don't think about them. But I'll tell you what, also, um, you know, he, I mean, he was sent to the hospital in Tupajet, which is one of the islands right there in the Mentois. It's nearby, actually, where he was staying, the resort he was staying. But, I mean, you're out in the middle of the ocean, man. It, it's just it's just sad. But, I, you know, some have suggested, hey, I mean, if there, there's no positive way to spin this, it's just horrible for the family. And I'm not going to try. You know, I've seen some stuff. Oh, he died doing what he loves, but that doesn't help the family any. No, at this point, no. But it is admirable that he lived a life that, honestly, so many of us envy. Like the idea of. I mean, I should back up and say, like, there's been a ton of pro surfers who kind of came up with his talent, pedigree. They sh were in the limelight for a period of time. And then once the limelight shifted, 
they went and got regular jobs and didn't really surf nearly as much, didn't get barreled as much. He's somebody who almost shirked the limelight, to be perfectly honest, in pursuit yeah. of chasing empty waves in Indo and committed his life to it and never even really like self-promoted. Like he got, I guarantee that guy is one of the most barreled people on the planet ever and probably got so many crazier waves than any that are just undocumented, you know, like the ones that we actually saw that by the way, ended up on the cover of surfers journal a few years back. That is one of the greatest cover shots of all time that he shot himself with a GoPro. Um, that's just one of hundreds that probably will never, nobody ever documented, you know what I mean? So him kind of committing his life to, that pursuit for this, just for the love of it is something that we all pretended that we wanted to do when we were young, but we just never fully pursued it. He did it. Yeah, he did. He, he fully was involved in, and I think even beyond that, if for instance, I did that, there would be, um, a backseat to the rest of my life. And I mean, my family. And from what I understand about McCullough is that he was even a better family guy than he was like a surfer. You know what I mean? Like he's had such great parents. He was so well-grounded that, um, anyway, I, I, I should, I'm going to yield here cause, um, I'm just super sad for, well, for his family. I will, I'll let everybody know surfer journal, um, published an article, republished an article, made it available for free at the link in their bio on their Instagram page, but we'll make it available too. Uh, It's called Journeyman Jones. It's an article that they wrote in 2014. And here's just an excerpt of it from Nathan Myers, who said, quote, Mikala Jones once broke all of his boards at a hard to reach outpost, flew, boated, taxied home, grabbed more boards and flew straight back to the spot. After three straight days of travel, he scored even more barrels. When you pull up to the spot you've been researching and the swell is there, the wind is right, and you're about to paddle out, that's where I get my fix, he said. I love travel. I love the surfing. But right at the point where the two come together, that's the best moment for me. That's what I keep chasing, end quote. (laughs) Uh, Man, I I know the feeling. Not like him. I was going to say, I I, I don't love all the tedious travel nearly as much as he does, apparently. But I love the scoring part. I think we all do. Yeah. And what's funny is that you and I spoke about this in the past. I mean, sometimes I get that feeling when I'm like scouring a four foot windswell here at home and I wake up in the morning and the wind's offshore and the tide's right. And I can be the first one on it at my local beachy. And that moment where you're kind of on the beach, putting on your leash you're and there's no one around and you're seeing offshore little groomers, you're pretty psyched. Totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I guess the detail there for you and he is uh, the amount of work that you put into it absolutely does increase the, uh, the joy as well. Yeah. Well, totally well, tragic. Rest in power. Yeah. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. But I do, I, um, I have appreciated seeing all of the photographs and stories on Instagram. Um, intimate photos that I had never seen before, you know, like we've seen the cover shots and that sort of stuff, but so many people have pulled out of their archives, just little behind the scenes portraits that they've shot with him and um, it's really heartwarming to see. Yeah. And, and I've only had one or two brief interactions. I did not know McCullough the way all of these. And and so I too am enjoying reading about him and, and some of the, you know, just what a great guy he was. And just so barreled. And when you see some of the footage that, that people have been posting, big, crazy, scary barrels, you know, like legit barrel rider. Oh yeah. That guy's, guy's was a charger, still a charger. Yeah. Um, okay. Well let's switch gears a little bit here. I'll tell you that the J Bay event, I think it starts on the 13th. Today's the 11th, the 13th in South Africa. I, I I don't know the time change off the top of my head. I look, but I want to say it's probably a day ahead of us. It's yeah. Not quite a day. I feel like Late, like 11 at night. Yeah. 11 PM. Our time is kind of 8 AM their time approximately. Um, so anyway, the 13th 
it starts, but it doesn't look like, according to Surfline, there's going to be any swell of significance until Sunday the 16th. That could be a possible run day. And then after that, there's four or five days that look promising. There's a swell in the water. I mean, there's a storm in the water that needs to churn up some fetch and create some swell and get to J Bay with the right winds. But things are looking pretty good. 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20 for um, getting that event in. And uh, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to J Bay. I mean, it's a fun wave to watch and I hope that we see some, some solid competition and, um, and that's, that's my WSL J Bay report. David. <laughs> well, <laughs> the reality, I mean, we've, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but sh- uh, revamping the tour so that pe- that it could be a little bit more mobile. I'd say a larger waiting period window and then a more mobile, um, set up in, in infrastructure and all that because the waves have been pumping at J Bay in the last week. And we've seen this happen so many times, not only on the CT, but also on the CS and the QS where leading up, you get all this insane free surf footage. I've seen Jordy there. I've seen Ethan Ewing there. They're posting these clips that are insane. And then the event turns on and it's, you know, a third as good basically as what we saw leading up to it. So being able to tap into the swell that just happened, uh, I think would be, it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. Like the tour doesn't work unless you're able to do that exact thing. And so I think a big shakeup is, uh, is imminent essentially. Yeah. There's no real, um, update on the whole Eric Logan situation, um, which is really interesting. Yeah, this, the silence is deafening, isn't it? I've never heard a better kept secret in the surf world than this one. It's There's definitely, it's got to be litigation on a human resources sort of spear, which is what we talked about last time. The only explanation. So tell me about your team. So you don't have a fantasy team. Are you still in the- um, Losers League? The survival, survival? <laughs> I'm in the Losers League. Yeah, the Losers League. That's okay. You're still going. Um, so- I don't, I thought may like, I have not heard from Taylor and the survival league gods. Usually they send out those emails really, you know, diligently. Yeah. Leading up to an event after an event in between events, all that sort of stuff. I haven't gotten any emails. So I messaged Taylor yesterday. I'm like, dude, I'm ready to put in my pick, but like, am I still in? Cause I had Kanoa at surf ranch, but the rankings at surf ranch were so different than every other event that I don't know if he actually made it past the cut or not. And, um, and so anyways, Taylor messaged me back quickly and he's like, I'm in Costa Rica scoring. I'm lagging right now, but I will absolutely (laughs) look into it. (laughs) So I'm waiting to hear back from him on, but I think, yes, I think that I am in and Ethan Ewing is my pick for J Bay. Um, he was my pick for J Bay prior to the season starting, like, uh, on my spreadsheet that I put out at the beginning and nothing has changed on that spreadsheet. So he would be my pick if well, I'm still in. Yeah, look, Ethan Ewing's a great pick um, as a favorite, but talk to me about dark horses. Like, is there a dark horse, somebody that you think could get to, let's say, the semifinals on that's not on most people's radar? Well, I will answer that question, but I'll start by saying I don't think he's a dark horse anymore, and that's Yago Dora. He was a dark horse yeah, before he won Brazil but he had actually made the semifinals last year at J Bay. So I feel like he's quietly, everybody thinks of him as a free surfer, but he's quietly been delivering on that potential on the CT without, there's so many other people that kind of stand out that you think of before him. You think of Idolo, you think of Gabe, you think of Felipe, um, Griffin Colapinto, Ethan Ewing, Jack Robinson. But to be perfectly honest, Yago's right there with them. And his contest results are now kind of, uh, you know, lining up with that, but he's in fifth oh, yeah. place right now. So I can't call him a dark horse. No. Um, Connor O'Leary, interestingly, I think has. Yeah. The back end like to make that happen. Yeah. Powerful, big, powerful guy. Matthew McGillivray, Matthew McGillivray, who is a South African. He could <laughs> actually make the semifinals. I've got Rio Wada as my dark horse on my fantasy team. Yeah, I don't. I like Rio's surfing a lot. He doesn't have power, and I think J Bay could use more muscle. Yeah, there might be something to that. Yeah. 
So anyway, that's that's kind of coming up here. Well, one one other news story out of that or story, discussion point is that it looks like Kelly Slater did not take his wild card. It looks like he's not what? not on the roster. Are you sure about that? No, he's I'm not sure. On my fantasy team, <laughs> I'm not sure, but I saw. I saw him. I saw him on the on the um, on the heat draw. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because what I saw was the WSL released an Instagram post of the wild card picks for the event, and he was not on it. Maybe they were just. Oh yeah, no, they don't. He's beyond that. He's already locked in as a normal surfer on the back half of the tour. He's not even a wild card anymore. You're right. He's heat three against Griffin Colapinto and yeah. Liam O'Brien. Yeah. So stupid. I've got him on my fantasy team. I'm counting on Kelly to take advantage of this. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Whatever you call it. The Kelly rule. Exactly. Um, <laughs> well, the free surfs footage looks incredible. Every year we go back to J-Bay and I forget how much I love it. Um, I was talking yeah. earlier about Chikama being on one of my hit list. J-Bay, yeah. from the moment I discovered surfing, was in the top three of places I want to spend time at in my life. Have you ever been to El Salvador? No. <laughs> well, dude, it's warm and there's killer rights. You trying to get me away from Chicama again? <laughs> I'm just, no, I love the idea of Chicama. I'm just saying El Salvador is warm and killer rights. Just think of lowers, but on a little bit of steroids. You, amazing. Yeah, I'm down. Of course you are. Um, one thing I wanted to bring everybody's attention to, Scott, because I feel like this has flown under the radar a bit. Yeah. There's an incredible podcast out right now about Mickey Dora. Really? Yeah. Tell me more. I'm writing this down. It's called Lost Who did it? Lost Hills. Uh-huh. So there's a female um, podcaster, but actually I think she's a writer. She's a staff writer for The New Yorker. And she's yeah. lived in LA for 10 years. And when she started, when she landed in LA, she wanted to stir- surf. So she's been learning how yeah. to surf for 10 years. She started a podcast called Lost Hills, which is about um, each season. Calabasas. Well, (laughs) each season picks a figure and she does like a deep dive and tells like the story of this person in from the L.A. area. And season three is Mickey Dora. So it's given her background as a storyteller and as a writer. And yeah. now three seasons into a podcast, she's a very, very good podcast producer and storyteller. And the reality is there's so much, there's certainly a lot of lore about Mickey Dora, but there's also so much kind of verifiable fact and, you know, that's been done by David Renson when he wrote his book. And I was, stuff. Just, I was just Googling his book. His book is awesome. Yeah. All for a few good waves is what his book is titled. So, yeah, so she taps into all of that to paint the picture of yeah. Dora and yeah. it's incredibly well done. I mean, you could, how many episodes is it? Eight or 10 maybe. Oh, great. I love it. Eight or 10 and they're 45 minutes long, approximately each. So it's a deep dive, but check, check this out. She yeah. interviews David Renson, Kelly Slater, Good. Matt Warshaw, former yeah. girlfriends of Mickey Dora who traveled the world mm-hmm. and cashed fake checks with him to fund their travels. And what about Jim Kempton? Did she interview Jim? She did interview Jim Kempton. Yeah. Good. And, and a couple of other people, um, whose names kind of about Pad? What? Pesman. Uh, I, Steve, I didn't hear Pesman through that. No, but, but a bunch of Mickey's cohorts for sure. Cool. Who like roommates and all these people from his life. So, and, and here's, you get a full flavor of, of Mickey Dory. It's not just, I mean, at this point, really, the the charm of Mickey Dora is is the dirt. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, but you don't know which dirt to believe. That's the you when you say a full flavor. That's a great way to put it because it is a myriad of flavors, and you never yeah. know which one is actual truth because he was sending smoke bombs all the time too, and like unnecessarily, yeah. you know, like claiming to be. I mean, he had like 10 different names, first of all, but he would claim just some totally random lifestyle that might have been fully um, legit and kind of uh, vanilla. And then he'd claim some other lifestyle that was fully criminal. It's like, why would you lie about being a criminal when you're actually doing criminal activity over here? But it was all just redirection and smoke and mirrors. And so to have people, actually, Jim Kempton, I do remember a specific story from Kempton where he's, uh, Mickey was rooming with him. 
and yeah, in France and years. And then he, his, um, driver's license. And I think his passport was missing Kempton's yeah. and he didn't know what had happened to them, but he somehow through whatever circumstance met a guy, friend of a friend, kind of a situation who had a similar look to Jim and that guy had Jim's passport. And that guy was traveling under a fake identity as Jim Kempton. And Jim was like, yeah. what? How did this happen? Well, after he figured out that Mickey was a con man, which he was kind of unaware of, he realized it must have been Mickey who stole his passport and ID and sold it to this other guy who was probably a criminal as well who needed an assumed identity. You know, And Jim figured it out years <laughs> later. So stories like that of people kind of connecting the dots after the fact and triangulating information and Jim and the interviewer even asked Jim, like, so did Mickey steal your ID? And Jim's like, look, I can't say that because I don't have fact that he did it, but I presume like what else can I presume at this point? You know? Yeah. There's a lot of interesting, like you say, smoke bombs, you know, I mean, one of the interesting sort of like anecdotes or little teeny factoids is which is the proper spelling of Mickey Dora? Is it M-I-K-I or is it M-I-C-K-E-Y? And I've heard, and I'm going to butcher this because I'm not exactly sure how it goes, but he changes the spelling from M-I-K-I to M-I-C-K-E-Y after he got out of jail. (laughs) Now, I don't know if that's true, but there's some like before and after where Mickey Dora made the, you know, the the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He made the decision, I guess, to change the way he spells his name. And this is one of those like freaky random smoke bombs. Like it probably had to do with, if I change my name, it won't show up in the database of criminals or yeah. whatever. I don't even know. I have no idea really what's going on there, but well, I look forward. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of like the Mickey Dora story only because, and, I'll, and then let me, I'll just say this. I'll let you go. I feel like Mickey Dora is sort of what surfing is all about. Mm-hmm. Like it's dirty, it's unkempt, it's, uh, he, he's uh, counterculture. He's the exact opposite of what surfing is now. And so that's why so many of us are sort of drawn to that. Even though when you uncover it and excavate it, you're kind of grossed out. And, you're, and because he lived by principles that I certainly don't want to live by, you know, a lot of dishonesty, a lot of, you know, just ego. And, uh, but, but for whatever reason, there's some, we're drawn to him because he is this dirty surf figure, which we kind of feel like, I guess, surfing is kind of about that. It is. And she details the exact name change thing that you're talking about. Oh, good. She, oh, good. I mean, she tries to track the exact lineage and why each name change took place. So she covers exactly what you're talking about. She yeah. also, does a pretty decent dive into his parents and yeah. how they, you know, uh, affected. Well, the, the stepfather, right? He, Guard Chapin. Exactly. He was pretty gnarly. Yeah. And his dad. Yeah, I think had a big influence on Mickey Dora. Huge. Yeah. Huge. And, and Mickey's, yeah, um, ne'er-do-well lifestyle. And his real dad and how sweet his real dad was and his mom's vanity and certain details there that factor in. And so it, again, I can't say enough good things about it. I'm thrilled yeah. when non, I shouldn't call her a non-surfer cause she's been at it for 10 years now, but kind of non-surf world people tell a yeah. surf world story. They tend to do a little bit better too. job of it than we do. Yeah. They don't have the, the drapery of um, decades of, of surf culture that's been blasted on us. You know, they come at it from a fresh perspective. She does. And she's also an actual journalist. And so I think there's a certain rigor that she does her research with that we tend to not do. What is her name again? I don't know. Lost Hills is the podcast. I'm going to check that out. I'm a big, I do owe you her name though. Sorry that I didn't prep that in advance. Um, That's okay. You know what? Lost Hills. Uh, I will tell you the dark prince of Malibu. Oh, Um, by the way, she, her podcast is on Malcolm Gladwell's podcast network, Pushkin. Uh, Dana Goodyear is her name. Okay. Uh, Somebody, here's the very, the very first Apple review that popped up for me. 
Yeah. The title says, hate the topic this season. This podcast is well done, but this guy is so dislikable that I had to stop listening. He sounds like a straight up <laughs> racist, narcissist, xenophobic, violent criminal. Why dedicate a whole podcast to, to this guy to glorify his legacy? Glad he's dead. I mean, wow. you know what's funny is like, I kind of get what he's saying there. Like, it, it, that's why I struggle with this topic because he's kind Mickey Dora was kind of a dick. Of course, you know yes, I mean? like, absolutely. No, but there's no, we don't want Austin growing up like no, this. No, you know no, what I'm no, saying? <laughs> but I don't know. There's something, I don't know. I can't put my finger on why we're drawn to him other than what I already said. Well, she, she puts her finger on it pretty well, I think, in one of the opening episodes. Um, yeah. And it's like, you know, the, the pursuit. He was like the first one to flip off the surf industry. It's kind of what it is, I think. For sure. I mean, but what it was, it's more simple than that. Even it was the pursuit is so noble all for a few good waves is the pursuit. Right. And, but what the part that becomes not noble, but is it, but is it really noble? Well, it's so selfish. Well, wait, and so, you're right. All, yeah. all makes it not noble. If, if it's all in pursuit of a few good waves, then you're right. But him being in pursuit of waves of a few good waves is noble. It until he, Gets those waves and realizes, wait a second, nobody else should have access to these. (laughs) And I own Malibu and F all of you who are trying to come and get it, you know, and he bailed on Malibu when it was too crowded. And that was one one hundredth of how crowded it is now. And so, yeah, so him kind of being the, the earliest to figure out some of the things that we uh, our darker side kind of figures out along the way is what's relatable. I also think that he has this ability to be incredibly charming. And so he's really charmed a lot of people. And I think on some level he is a charming, I mean, there's a sincerity to his charm. And, um, I think he, and I believe too, that he's in, he was incredibly intelligent. Yes. Yes. To and both. I think that's part of why we're drawn to, to him a little bit. It's not like just some dumb surf bomb. He's kind of got, this one step ahead of everybody kind of thing. Yes. All that's true. But he think he figured out when he was a teenager that he can use those things for his own, uh, selfish narcissistic advantage and only use them in that effort henceforth. Right. You know, yeah. well, there's no, no good to the society that came of no. Of it. So here's his, uh, or the about from Dana Goodyear's podcast. She said, lost Hills investigates the dark side of Malibu, California, Beneath the seductive facade, this city of billionaires, celebrities, and surf bums is hiding something menacing. So that's the overall concept, and each season features a different person. So season three takes a deep dive into the surf world to explore the legacy of Malibu's dark prince, Mickey Dora, a surfer known for his style, grace, and aggression. He ruled Malibu from the 50s to the 70s, celebrated for his rebellious spirit. He was also a con man who led the FBI on a seven-year manhunt around the world all while he was in search of, of the perfect wave. To many, he's a hero, but there's an evil undercurrent that runs through the surf world, all it le- and all of it leads back to Mickey Dora. <laughs> uh, I'm going to look forward to listening to that. Yeah, That's going to be fun. Really good. Scott Bass, Trees Wax. We introduced it last week, but it's petroleum-free surf wax, surf wax responsibly sourced from rocks and trees. Hey, this stuff is performance-driven surf wax. I love my Trees Wax. I got a box of it. Um, I got base coat. I got this, the top coat. Um, it's performance-based surf wax, which is sourced naturally and organically. And so why wouldn't you do this? I mean, it's insane, sticky, gicky, wonderful surf wax that's... that's um, that's that's helpful for the earth. It, it, it covers all the bases. It does. It doesn't sacrifice anything. It's exactly what you need in surf wax, and it's responsibly made petroleum-free. So well, I don't know what else you want. And you can meet uh, Christian, the guy who makes the stuff, at the boardroom show here in October, 7th and 8th. Epic. Which yeah, is, he's a great guy. Which is where I met him, by the way, um, pre-COVID. I think it was 2019. He gave me some trees wax, and I was like, sweet, this is super cool. But I used it. Didn't think much about it after, you know, for the next couple of years. And so when he reached out to me more recently about partnering with us, um, he sent me a new batch and it was improved. It was an improved, the texture and everything was improved from previous. So we're big fans and you can buy it at treeswax.com or 
at surf shops. So three shops that I'll mention right now, La Jolla, Mitch's La Jolla location. We love Mitch's obviously, uh, drill surf in Malibu and then NorCal in Pacifica NorCal surf shop also has it. So go grab your trees wax. And then of yeah. course, Driftline, driftline.co. You and I are going to be wearing our drifties next week in North Carolina. That's right. To the drifties, the wetsuit lined board short, tons of fashion with a hundred percent function. Um, these board shorts look like board shorts just, you know, on the outside when you're walking down the sand and uh, underneath a half mil of wetsuit, which is um, comforting, warm, and uh, I'm just a huge, huge fan. I've found my board short for the rest of my life, and it's the Drifty Board Short by by Driftline.co. Driftline.co. You can go there and check it out. Um, I know you will because it's a... Uh, It'll change the way you look at board shorts forever. Yeah, patented as well. So really one of a kind and best, amazing concept, excellently executed. So thank you, driftline.co. Use our promo code SPIT to save 15% at driftline.co. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Twin fins in the Mentawise. Holy mackerel. I'm sure you've seen this. You might even turn me on to this. I, I think you do. No, I, ha I don't think so. Twin fins in the Mentawise with William, and I'm going to butcher his last name. Go ahead and tell me how to say it. Iliotti. Oh, okay. Yeah. I No, I have not seen this and I'm not sure how to say his name either. Anyway, you got to check this out. It's um, it's on the Kandui Resort YouTube page. So if you just do a, go into YouTube and Google or search for Twin Fins in the Mentwise with William Aliotti, it'll pop up, which it did for me. And it's also on Stab. I actually got to it from Stab. And um, basically, William does a sampling of eight twin fins in perfect waves in the Mentawise, Kandui left, hideaways. Um, it looks like some other waves out there that, you know, whatever. Half the fun is actually watching the waves and going, I think that's, uh, mm -hmm. you know. But um, he tries out two boards from Pizel, two boards from Channel Islands, two boards from Lost, and two boards from Christensen. They're all twin fins. And William's an incredible surfer, super fun to watch him surf. A lot of a lot of style and a lot of, he's just rips, you know, he's just one of these guys that just absolutely rips and it's really um, neat and sort of refreshing to see these twin fins um, underneath the feet of a really good surfer in really fun, rippable waves. And um, the Pizel is the happy twin and the wildcat, the channel islands is the twin pin, which I believe you have and the free scrubber. And the Lost Surfboards is the Round Nose Fish and the California Twin Pin. And the Christensen is the Lane Splitter Squash and the Lane Splitter Roundtail. And let me tell you, all of the boards look fun underneath this guy's feet. You, you watch this and you're like, oh, I got to get one of those. I got, now I got to get eight new boards because <laughs> they all look incredible. Now, I will say this. I wouldn't. I personally would not take a Twin Fin to the Mentawise. 
Instead, I would take a forefin, which in my opinion is the best of both worlds. It's the speed of a twin fin with a little bit more hold and a little bit more drive of that you would get in a thruster. And I'll also throw this caveat. You really only need a thruster in the Mentawise, in my <laughs> opinion. There's so much fucking, excuse my friend, there's so much speed on the waves in the Mentawise that you can get by with a, th- a six foot thruster the whole time, a 5'10", 5'8", whatever it is. But the good news is when you pack your boards to go to the Mentawise, you're bringing three boards because you're going for 14 days, man. This isn't a three-day surf trip. So you get to you get to pack that thruster, but you also get to pack the twin fin and an experimental board, and maybe a step up. I mean, half the fun is is picking figuring out what boards you're going to ride there. And a twin fin is certainly an interesting option. My son brought his twin fin and loved it and rode it most of the time, even in the bigger days, and absolutely killed it. Um, that there is something about the twin fin about three quarters of the way through your big top turn where it sort of releases and you need to control that release or you need to have a board that's sort of flat in the tail area so it doesn't tip over on rail and it sort of stays on tail. And um, I'll let you guys be the, uh, you know, observe what I observed in this in this video clip and, and, and determine which board does that best. But uh, all the boards look great. And it was just, uh, of course, at the end, he's surfing, you know, six to eight foot Kandui left on on some twin fins and driving through some massive barrels and being on the foam ball. And, and that's the one thing, you know, with no fin back there, I guess it's to be argued, you know, which is better, a three fin on the foam ball or a twin fin or, a, you know, a board without a center fin. Guys like Kelly Slater, a lot of guys are riding four fins at Pipeline and there's a reason. And um, I'm a big fan of the four fin, which in my opinion is just a a better version of the twin fin. Um, but again, that's the beautiful thing about surfboards, David, you and I speak about this all the time. What I hate, you love and what you love, I hate. And then surfboards are highly personal. And, uh, and that's what makes this such a fun thing to watch. Well, as I listen to you talk about it, having not seen it myself, I was trying to think of like, okay, well, who else have I seen riding twin fins out there in those waves? Torn Martin. Torn Martin yeah. is, I've, for the last, I don't know, eight years, haven't seen him ride anything other than twin fins. And he does them, he surfs them beautifully out there, but the boards that he's riding have a lot more volume. And so he's really just doing, um, really impressive, you know, turns, but kind of down carves and stuff like that, not really redirecting the board. And then when I think about the boards that you described that William is riding, they're all more high performance. They're all less foam, shorter, narrower. They're trying to get more radical. And at that point, I agree with you. It's like, well, in those waves, if you're inching towards performance, why not just go for, you know, a thruster at that point? Because what you're really trying to do with so many of those boards that you described is, um, they're kind of grovel designs. You're trying to maximize, um, uh, speed in lesser quality waves and then still have high performance elements for when you get vert or get up into the lip or stuff like that. But in Indo or in the mental wise, you don't necessarily need those elements. Yeah. So what we're doing here really is we're matching speed with speed. Yeah. Like you're talking about, okay, we got shitty waves. There's no speed. So let's make some speed with a twin fin in this episode. Uh, we've, we're going, okay, we're going to get tons of speed from this twin fin and put it in tons of speed from these waves and see what happens. And what that tells me is from a design standpoint is I want the tail thinned out. Yeah. You know, like there's nothing wrong with a pulled in thinned out tail, especially in the mental wise so yeah. that I can match speed with speed. I've still got the speedy, what I like to call squirt mm-hmm. from a twin fin and or a four fin. The ability that d- you just get extra projection out of the tail without having a boggy drag kind of, uh, lack of a better phrase, anchor on the back end of the tail. And so there's that squirt. And uh, w- when you thin it out um, for the hollower, faster ways of the mentalize, you're going to get something pretty magical. And um, all four of these guys... Channel Islands, Pizel, Lost, and Christensen, um, they make some, obviously, they make great boards. The only thing, you know, I would love to see some other people, like we tend to see the same guys over and over in this situation. Yeah. And it would be fun to just throw in some randos, you know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, do, do, you, do you get the feeling that they're kind of hyper-focused on the same, say, 12 shapers, and it would be fun if they went another direction occasionally, which I know they have yeah. with the electric acid surfboard test but i mean 
I don't know. I understand. Yeah, I understand why it ends up being the same people all the time. But um, I one other real quickly, one other thing I wanted to say about those boards or the maybe being in the wrong waves for that design purpose. Nobody, the vast majority of our listeners who end up taking a trip out there, they're not going to surf that as good as William is, right? So honestly, the Torn Martin example, riding fuller foam, Torn can take that, those boards, those morning of the earth boards that he's riding and get equally as shacked at Can Dewey. And you're really not going to be doing turns out there anyways. Like having that extra volume really is helpful, you know, and being able to get in, being able to kind of set your line. And by the way, being able to get over to the foam ball too. Like I think that well, board solves most people's problems because the people who think that they can actually rip are probably, yeah. you know. Well, here's the thing about can do it left, as you know, is that it's not a wave where you can set your line and go, you have to turn okay. inside the tube to make that wave. It's it's the most difficult wave, I believe, in in the Mentwise, in that even that whole region, as far as um it's just one of those waves where you're in the barrel and you're looking at a barrel another fifty yards in front of you that you know is coming. And so you'll see in this piece, William is constantly carving inside the tube. So you need a little shorter rail line to do that at that one specific spot. Now, I can't do that. I'm the guy that goes, take me to a perfect wave. I just want to set my line and stand there and flip my hands up. And that's kind of what I do. And I'm just, I don't have the ability to, to crank my rail inside the tube and drive through it. But you'll see, and it's fascinating to watch William do that. And it's only at that one spot can do it left. And you're right. A vast majority of our listeners wouldn't even be surfing out there on that day. They'd be like, take me to eBay. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which is like stand there in a perfect line. Yeah. So, and it's probably half the size, but anyway, um, check it out, man. Twin fins in the mentalized with William Aliotti. It's on the can resort YouTube channel. And um, they're also, if you go to Stab, they're giving away a trip to Kandui Resort, oh, okay. which, by the way, I did sign up for. <laughs> I entered, put my name in there. We'll see what happens. Um, but uh, yeah, check it out. Okay. I have something I want to draw everybody's attention to. Um, last night, I got early access to a film that's going to be coming out on the 19th from Nita's Oppenheimer. No, 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 no. Surf. Oh, surf film. Is this the Torrent Martin thing? This is Bryce Young. Oh, okay. Cause there's some Torrent Martin stuff that's coming out. It may have already come out, but it's from that spot surfing village where I surfed in Indo. No way. He was there and he got a massive swell. It wasn't this season. It was last season. And, and the guys were telling me that Torrin was getting it from like the top of the point, getting three tubes on one wave on a big, 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 big swell. Wow. But anyway, I haven't seen that yet. And I was looking for it. I figured Neat Essentials would be shown. Well, they're putting together a film about his um, sailing trip. And so maybe that's included on that. I, I bet it is. Yeah. Well, they've is. also put together a new film with Bryce Young. I'm, I'm claiming right now, I hate to make a bold claim. Okay. Is a flashpoint in surfing when this film comes out. I wow, it, a flashpoint like I've never seen like the end of summer, like Laird at Chopu, like more like Ryan Birch, Peter Mel at Mavericks, more like Ryan Birch in Psychic Migrations. <laughs> That's not a flashpoint. That's just a really cool video. No, it is. It. I mean, I'm telling you, I interviewed the two last interviews I posted. Um, one with Harrison Roach. He mentions yeah. that segment and its influence on him organically. And then the episode yeah. with Ron, uh, John Simon, John mm-hmm. Simon started shaping because of that section. Yeah. Well, it's funny because flashpoints are really personal, right? You know, like one, one person's flashpoint is another person's uh, pass. Yeah. And then not that I would pass. I actually love psychic. I'm not saying I pass here. I'm just saying everybody's got their own and, and it's great that it's motivated and inspired you know, um, John, and, and I can't wait to see, tell me more about Bryce. So Bryce obviously is the son of Nat Young. And, um, I'm just saying I've never seen anything like this. I mean, truly that's, that's the way I can sum up this film. Almost every single wave I watched, I was like completely, uh, his enamored, appro- enamored, completely enamored through the, it's a 45 minute film through the entire film. I, I mean, I watched the opening segment and I'm like, Whoa, that was like 
radical different lines that he's taking. Super stylish. He's a regular footer, but his style looks similar to Birch. He's riding all Birch, not all, but mostly Birch boards. They've got a super Mm -hmm. tight relationship. So it it reminds me of Birch's approach and style mixed with Dave Rostovich. It's like a a marriage made in heaven of what you would want to see in a surfer, you know? And so just incredibly inventive approach. And I, the reason I got early access to the film was I was going to be interviewing. I interviewed Bryce and I'm going to publish that in the next couple of weeks, probably with the film when the film comes out. Um, and he's, he's first of all, fantastic conversation, loved talking to him. But what we talked about was riding Birch's boards. So he met Birch and Birch was riding those pickle forks. He had like a full, you know, 20 board quiver that he took to Indo to really do R and D on those boards. They're, sh- yeah. they're short boards, they're asymmetrical, they're really narrow, they're really high performance. And Birch was the only guy really riding them. He was shaping them, implementing design concepts that he had kind of dreamed up, and then riding them himself. So Bryce is the second guy who's really riding them. And ultimately what we discussed was it's an open canvas. You see this board that is so freaky. It looks like an alien technology spaceship because- the tech, yeah. And I say technology because it was carbon fiber rails, stringerless to implement this kind of uh, contusional flex pattern that Brian had envisioned. And if you grab, let's say, let's just say a CI mid, instantly yeah. you think of, oh, I've seen Devin Howard ride this. And now there's trappings of how this board is written, what it can do, you know, somebody that you know who serves better than you is doing on it. And so that's the world that you're working within. When you grab that pickle fork, never seen this before. Nobody's ever written, like, I don't know what it can do, what it can't do. I don't even know well, what type hold, of ride. Hold on, let me, let me quickly just say Jeff Alexander that was making pickle forks in 1985. Not true. And He's he making deserves credit. He's making yeah, a Gemini a that, ha, no, he's make it had a pickle forked or a tuning forked nose on it. Right? Well, I mean, we, we call them pickle forks. Oh, Have you, you seen a pickle fork? A two pronged pickle, a fork that you put in a pickle jar to get the pickles out. So that element of the design, I agree with and you. It had concave underneath it. But it was, but it was symmetrical, right? The nose was symmetrical. Yeah. The rest of the board was too, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was. The Gemini it wasn't asymmetrical, but it was a pickle fork. So the nose is the design detail that you're right. Ryan was yeah. utilizing for his design, but Ryan's board design is. Oh, I'm not doubting that. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, let's just give a quick shout out to Jeff Alexander because he was making pickle forks 35 years ago. Totally. So it's Ryan's design for his quote pickle fork model absolutely. Oh, is, yeah. no, I'm sure it's is an amalgam yeah. of other designs and absolutely. Right. Yeah. 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 But, um, anyways, once you kind of have this thing, like Bryce was explaining, once you have this thing in front of you, you're like, I don't know whether this thing goes in two foot surf or 10 foot surf or whatever. <laughs> and so all the, all the options are open at that point. And that's what I'm suggesting is his surfing is representing He's on a wave and you're just like, man, I would never have thought of that line. The body contor- contortion, the ways, and the thing is so responsive. That board looks unbelievably responsive. And he explains that is that exact thing where he's like, I would look, first of all, it goes where I want it to go just by looking at the section. Whereas in the past, I would see a section down the line and I would have to apply certain things to get the board to go. And then maybe I'd get there. Maybe I wouldn't. I might have to do an extra little like giddy up to kind of get there. He's like, with this, it's just there. The thing is pinging off section. Yeah. Tons of speed. And he doesn't share any of the footage. Like he's like literally his mom films for him. He's like, we have footage from 10, 15 years ago that we just like didn't do anything with that's all in this film, including footage from the 70s of his dad building, Nat Young, building the house that Bryce grew up in that ultimately burned down in the fires of 2019 where they lost everything, you know? Yeah. Um, So this film is, not only does it showcase his insane surfing that, again, is almost unlike anything I've ever seen before, it also gives a real beautiful, intimate picture at the people who have influenced him. So his dad, his mom, Ryan Birch, 
that relationship. Lori Towner's like a big brother to him, you know? So lots of that stuff. Yeah. Just so beautifully done. There's a section of him writing cool. in Aliyah or Aliyah's. Him and Lori are making Aliyah's. I've mm-hmm. never seen anybody surf an Aliyah like this. He does an alley-oop on an Aliyah. <laughs> like, like, and getting barreled in six-foot surf on an Aliyah, then comes out, big carve, then chip, pops off the end section, lands in air. It's like, what? Insane That's stuff. Cool. That's so great. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to, to watch it. I'm I'm already getting, you're getting me fired up, man. I want to check this out. I'm really in in sort of excited about, or I just want to check out these boards. I've had a board. I Carl Extra made me a board once that was so friggin' fast. It was ridiculous. Like it would just, there was never a doubt that I was going to make the wave. Wow. Like it was just stupid fast, you know, down railer. Just, yeah. And imagine that's the part of the feeling that uh, you, you discussed here with, um, with price. So well, I, I, that idea of that board that just goes like, it's almost like a magic carpet. And I know that's trite, but it just goes where I want it to go. I don't have to, you know, just look and it goes there. Yeah. You know? And I, I don't want to overhype it. I already have probably, but I don't know that you, <laughs> I don't know that you can overhype it. Like it's that kind of new and fresh while being familiar at the same time. Like his surfing isn't like watching Italo, you know, it's, it's familiar, but it's so fresh at the same time. But what might, it's like a chocolate fudge ice cream, but this time you put sea salt on top of it in a rando chair. Perfect. And that just amplifies all of the pre-existing flavors. Um, right. My thought on it was I then pulled up Instagram at some point yesterday and I saw stab promoting Sean Manners new edit that is part of their, uh, video of the entry of the entry of the year stabs entry of the year contest that they have doing. And I thought to myself, what I just watched from Bryce young shits on everything else (laughs) that I've seen this year and no disrespect to any of those surfers, but they're all operating in this narrow realm of what we think of with yeah. when we, when we think of surfing Bryce comes well, surf in edits right surf edits are like yeah I need I need uh five minutes of big air section I need five minutes of big wave section I need five minutes of big barrels send it off with good music right it's kind of a little bit of a uh formula exactly this comes in out of left field and you watch a surfing you go wow he has all of the talent that all those other people have He's just doing it entirely differently than I even was aware that could be done. That's how it feels yeah. to me. Yeah. And I was like, cool. I was like, not only is this honestly the most enjoyable film, I was captivated for the entire time. The surfing was entirely different than I've ever seen. Um, so I think it's going to be a game changer. Like I All said, right. I don't want to like, I don't. Well, no, you're, you're not going to talk about it anymore okay. because you've already overhyped it. <laughs> no. Hey. I just, I say that because I got to run. I got a doctor's appointment that I got to get to. But, I know um, you do. I've, by the way, we'll play it next week, but I have a call from Ryan in Orlando, which I think is, uh, provides some great discussion points for you and I. So oh, we'll get to oh, that good. next week when we are together, by the way, we're going to record in person for the first time in years next week. Oh my God. Amazing. I'll have to wear deodorant. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> okay. Look, until next time, adios and aloha.
Yeah.